This is episode number 55 of Hebrews in Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And just to keep it short and sweet, we are going to explore the reason why we believe why our Hebrew brothers and sisters are having a difficult time coming together as a cohesive community that is affecting our return back to the land that the Most High has promised us. Yet another action-packed episode. Stay tuned. Keep it locked. This is Hebrews in Exile. You know what we do. Let's go. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile. Hey. Sir. We have been talking about a lot of a lot of things over these 52 weeks. Yes, we have. And we've come into this second year, which should be which should be labeled season two <laughs> podcast. Right, 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 right. But I have, I have to stop now and think about what I've said in the past because I'm listening to the podcast and I'm getting to be starting to get repetitious and I don't want to get repetitious. Yeah, it's always good to have some good, well, good information. Yeah, but, yeah, but our, 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 our viewer, our listeners, you know, are listening for new information um, to support certain things that we, we talk about. Sure. One of the things I want to talk about that I forgot to mention last week is that there are two really good books um, mm. out there on the market, if you can find them, that are really good to um, good to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those books is The Black Roll in the Bible by uh, Aymer von Fleischer, A-Y-M-E-R-V-O-N-F-L-E-I-S-H-E-R, The Black Roll in the Bible. Oh. And uh, that work is a very good work because one of the things that we have been confronted with is that even from the days of Sunday school, <laughs> um, all the material that we learned in Sunday school, the characters were always Eurocentric looking. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Um, it's kind of like the narrative of the little girl who wants you put a white doll next to a black doll and you ask him which one is good and the little black girl mm-hmm. is always going to point to the little white girl. Right. I mean, it's it's something that we've seen that's been quintessential in our culture since the days of our uh, so-called incarceration, which not really so-called our incarceration, called slavery, where we've been presented a, a, a narrative and every image that we see that comes out of that has been, I, you know, I, I, I stole this off of you. You know, I want you to know that the, the surfer dude, you know, just got off of his surfboard. And look, he's just flowing blonde hair and whatnot. And, and because of that, as a people, we tend to look 
towards non-melanated people, and I'm talking about white people in 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 specificity, uh, as having this deified role for us because every image that we've seen or that's depicted of something scriptorial has been visually something of a person that's been uh, non-melanated. Right, right, right. So we have a a, a kind of this subliminal deification um, that that demonizes or diminishes our our eloquence, our yeah. our opulence that yeah. the scriptures have uh, alluded to. Alluded to, right, 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 and it's and it's all over. It's all over scripture. Absolutely, you know. Um, there's another book by uh, Charles B. Cooper. It's called Black Biblical Studies, mm-hmm. and that's no, that's another good book um, to read about who we are mm-hmm. and what we are, particularly within the scope of the time frame that we're now podcasting, which is in the front side of Black History Month. Absolutely. It's good to mention that. Yeah, we are entrenched in it right now. My whole concern focuses around three gentlemen, and you've mentioned them and before, uh, who have been the rally cry, well, I should say two gentlemen, that have been the rally cry for people of color um, to rally together. Okay. And that is uh, Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I can't, I've never heard any writing or any speech by Martin Luther King, Dr. King, that alluded to people of Mellon, black people, the mm-hmm. African Americans that he that he fought so hard for the civil rights. I don't remember hearing him mention anything about them being associated with Hebrew Israel. Neither do I. Neither but, do I. But but his message was a rally cry for civil rights, social justice, and making it better for people of color in this diaspora. Yeah, which is the essence of what Hebrews in Exile is all about. Right, which is exactly. We're, we're rallying the troops together right. to say that we are a nation of people. We need to combine and we need to be a community, which is... Which is, I think, that's what what the draw for yeah, him was right. was the fact that hey, we we need to band together and fight these atrocities that are happening to us within the uh, intercontinental borders of the United States. And I think that one of the reasons that he may have been remiss in bringing that to the fore, being of Baptist origin. Once again, um, we go to Morehouse, we go to the uh, black colleges and universities in this diaspora, mm-hmm. and we learn about black history, mm. but we learn about black history from the point of Plymouth Rock and, right. not, and not before. Right, 
we go to um, seminaries, and in the seminaries, we are taught the Greek narrative by that has been presented to us by Eurocentrics, and we never think about or have our minds drawn into the document that supports who we are and it was written for us as a people. And right. that's and that's the Hebrew writings mm-hmm. of scripture from Bereshit to Second Chronicles. Bereshit to Second Chronicles is all about people of melanated color. Yes. And Absolutely. primarily, primarily um, from uh, Shem and Ham. Right. With a sprinkling of, of, of Yefat on the backside who's just mucking up the works. Right. I mean, you hear the last time you really hear about the Yefatians in particular, what comes to mind is the situation with, with his father. And that whole entire narrative about, you know, where that's been kind of misinterpreted, where um, his father supposedly he does, um, he's in there with his brothers and his father has something done to him behind closed doors because he gets a little intoxicated and that whole entire narrative. But then you don't hear any really thing about that group. Kind of again, it's the the Hamites, which you know the the major Hamites that right. you hear about are who right. the the Mitzrayim. Yes, you hear a lot about them. Right, but yeah, you're right. I mean, outside of really that narrative, you they kind of die off. And and here's here's something that that I heard a few weeks ago because I was talking to someone and they didn't know this. They thought that, and this is one thing that growing up before I got to be. Uh, so engrossed in Hebraic studies was the issue of the curse of Ham. Mm. And um, this person said to me, well, you know, we black people are are cursed because of Ham. And I go, no. (laughs) I says, no. I says, you got to go back and read the text. And I says, see, that's the problem. What I'm saying, we regurgitate things that we've heard without delving in to look at it and studying out or researching it for ourselves to know. Mm-hmm. I says, and that's one thing that early in my, uh, in my growing up, uh, that we Facts. used to sit around the table and have round table discussions. And we talked about the curse of ham and blah, 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 blah. And, um, didn't realize mm-hmm. until later on in life, as I've gotten older and studied scripture, you know, for a minute here, that the Most High never cursed Ham. And the issue is that when you read the text, the Most High doesn't come back and curse something that he's blessed. But what he did curse was the grandson, which is Canaan. Right. So Canaan was cursed, not the father. That's correct. Not the father. Um. And you all need to know that you're not, you, you are not living under the curse of Ham. You're living under the curse of disobedience to the Torah, the teachings, the mitzvot, the national governance of Hebrew Israel. That's why we're in 
this curse that we're under and in this diaspora that we are also uh, associated with. And that's a great teaching that's, that's in that, that passage that you just mentioned. There, there's, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's awesome. Yeah, so I, I just wanted, I wanted to bring, I wanted to, to mention that uh, to you, uh, to our viewers, so that you can be on the right track of understanding uh, who people are. Mm. We have to talk about Yefat. We have to talk about Shem. We have to talk about Ham. Uh, these three individuals are germane to the multiplicity of nations that exist in the known world. I've given you three sons of Ham. One of them is germane to uh, his origin. Uh, he once, he was, he was not born uh, white. He was born black. Mm -hmm. that was a black man. Uh, along with his father, uh, Noah, and all of the people that we read about in the beginning of the historical book of Scripture. However, Yephat left the region of, or, of, or, of origin, migrated into areas away from the equator and the melanation of his of his skin and his whole makeup changed mm -hmm. where uh, uh, Shem and Ham remained in the continent of origin, which is the continent of Africa. I mean, which is not, you know, some, some people might raise an eyebrow at that, but we have things that happen in genetics all the time. You know, people have genetic anomalies that happen and this particular one particular to progress that you know was the progenitor of of a lighter melanin in this particular individual so yeah so we have been wanting to talk about the mitzvahs absolutely I, and I have to say that we've been kind of in and out of them we're going to be out of them once again <laughs> Tonight, um, and I and I want to say to to you all that uh, we have on we're on YouTube. It's called um, I think it's FTF Sound of the Shofar. It's Sound of the Shofar. Sound of the Shofar. Sound on of the Shofar. YouTube. Yes. Sound of the Shofar uh, on on YouTube, and um, on our YouTube channel, I have given a. I have taught a narrative, a, a lessons that define the mitzvotes. Now I'm getting ready to go back and to talk about the halakha or the application of those mitzvotes. And I'm saying that up mm. front because I'm going to talk about something else uh, in this podcast. Absolutely good. But very good. One of the things that we need to know in this exile is that when we talk about misfolds, we have to talk about the ones that we can do 
in exile, remembering that we are without a tabernacle. Yeah, that is so quintessential and key that that you say that because yeah. as as I in my tutelage and growing up, and I'm going to stop stopping you because you're on a roll and you're getting ready to get some heat. You're ready to bring it, right? <laughs> but I, I needed to jump in there and say that is because it was it was very cathartic for me to understand when an individual say it's been done away with the mosaic law has been done away with it can't be done it's not true because what we've got to understand is that what in and i use this as a pejorative term please do not take me literally when i say this but it is you have to have a sense of the reason there is some angst about it is because you number one you don't understand that a lot of these laws that are in place have to be set up by something being in place. Meaning a lot of these laws are specific to being having a temple, yep. having Kohanim, yes. having specific things that are in place within the confines and the structure of Hebrew Israel that make them not germane to this dispensation of time that we're living. It is, has nothing to do with the fact that they've been done away with. It has more to do with the fact that we can't do them because there's things that are, we're not in the correct dispensation of time for them to yeah, be done. Yeah, and we're not in the land. Right. And, so, and you know, and, and with that, you know, uh, without the temple, all the mitzvahs that require connection with the temple service are omitted. And uh, because we do not have a temple and we do not have uh, rightful kohening. That's right. Uh, the kohening have to be established by the right order of the Most High as it was when Mashe was running things in the wilderness before. And, and when Yahashua was running things, you know, you just don't jump up and become a kohening. Um, it has to be at the behest of the Ruach HaKodesh, the, 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 the spirit and the, the leaders that are going to be uh, of that particular day. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring to the fore those mitzvot that are most germane to our application in this diaspora that we are a part of. Mm -hmm. Now, Hebrews in exile, as we have said before, is directed to a nation of people that have been, have been ushered out of the land because of the major atrocities of disobedience that our forefathers have, have brought in idol worship um, and a failure to honor these mitzvot and keep them. And with that, the Most High dispersed us out into the four corners of the world. Mm -hmm. With that diaspora, uh, and not only with that diaspora, but early on in history, there are, there are Hebrew people that have exiled and escaped the Syrian captivity and migrated uh, into what is known as some parts of Europe. One part of Europe in particularly happens to be that I'm very well aware of is the uh, UK. Mm -hmm. 
uh, uh, the great, great Britain. I don't know if we've ever said this before, but if we break the, if we break the British up into syllables, we get two syllables. We get Brit, which is covenant. We get ish, which is man. So the British are the covenant people who first are the origins of that particular uh, place of being. Mm. You can research this and you can find out, you'll find out that the first kings and queens of Britain or British or the UK were people that were of melanated color. They were Hebrews. Mm. Those were the people that are who are the originators of that particular place. And it's interesting that um, the queen knows this. I'm pretty sure she does. No, the, no, the queen. Absolutely. No, the queen, the queen knows this. And I say this because as we study, as we study black history, um, if you don't know, if you don't know where your people originate from and you don't know how prominent that they were, mm -hmm. not only that they were, but it's interesting that they still are. Our job is to raise the banner of excellence. Agreed. Amongst who we are, because we are the, the melanated man scientifically and historically is the is birth by the spirit mm -hmm. that creates all things as we get back to Bereshit with the creation of man from dust to the ground and so forth and so on and made in the image of the Most High. Sure. So you and I have talked about not trying to be bashers of a people while it is that we talk about them uh, extensively because they are part of the narrative of a lot of the um, problems that are associated with Hebrew, Israel, and exile, particularly being able to identify who we are as a people. If we do not know who we are as a people, we will be eternally lost. That's right. It's a matter of control. Eternally lost. Mm -hmm. And if we think that <clears throat> a man who puts on his pants one leg at a time, bleeds blood, and dies can save you and give you eternal life, it's a narrative that is completely erroneous and completely false by Hebrew scripture. Absolutely. And I'm not the only person who knows this. That's right. That's right. There are many scholars out there that have, that have writings that allow us to understand that the Elohim 
of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and Yaakov is Echad, is one. Mm -hmm. And that he is that spirit. And in many instances, in many instances of writings, while we talk about the Ruach HaKodesh within the, within the, the, the male gender, Mm -hmm. uh, the female gender of that is the Ruach HaKodesh, which is the Holy Spirit. The two, the two aspects of the Most High meld together to bring about into existence a man, Ish, uh, Adam, who was made in the image and the likeness of the Most High, who was worthy of being in that likeness and with that has imparted into that man a a intellect an intellect that can be compared with the creativeness of the most high while the most high has created all things mm -hmm. That melanated man has taken the all things that the Most High has created and created out of it things that are germane to our civilization and our social way of living in this whole wide world. Facts. All facts. And my problem is you cannot talk about Black History Month without going and getting that narrative you 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 can't do it you can't you can't you can't begin talking about blast hit black history beginning at Plymouth Rock we are a people and a nation of people in exile that are strong mm -hmm. resilient you've tried to kill us and we keep multiplying and in the words of Maya Angelou, and yet we stand. You know, that, that listening to you speak on that, that I, I'm often drawn back to, you know, things that we hear as uh, black people um, in particular uh, on Sunday morning. Every single time that they get up for the 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and 11 o'clock service, there's this narrative and undertone that we are an inadequate people and they sound like motivational speakers they don't speak to the excellence and opulence that we're talking about that we've always possessed the creativity that we've always possessed it's always this narrative of you can make it you can do it you're always downtrodden god's gonna come and lift you up jesus is gonna fix it for you wait a minute you keep you're interjecting something in there to a people to brainwash them to tell them that they are inadequate. Yeah. We don't have a narrative. See, when, we, when you switch over to this narrative of being Hebrew, you never once hear us come back and say, you know what? You're, you, you, babies, you, you, you're down there and you're, you're not enough. No. You're just not enough. No. And you need a man to make you enough. Right, right. That is never the narrative. That is never the narrative. Um, you know, Your Hebrew history is written between the pages of Bereshit and Second Chronicles. Right. And the information that's between Bereshit and Second Chronicles can be fact-checked 
historically yep. and scientifically what? to prove who we are and what we are in the minds of the Most High. Now, the Eurocentrics, and I talk about Eurocentrics, I talk about not just European people, but within the norm that that comprises that group of people, which is inclusive of Jifat and the main character, mm-hmm. the main character that has the most effect on Hebrew Israel to this day, which are the Ashkenazis. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to bash the Ashkenazis. I'm only here to speak the historical truth that surrounds them. And like every group of people, even Hebrew Israel, real Hebrew Israel, has a a dark side. Yeah. And every nation of people have a dark side. Right. The dark side of the Ashkenazis are that they are... We were taught in school that it was the white man who who sold us into slavery. But mm-hmm. the historical truth is that's not true. Right. Yep. And I don't know if this is a if we even want to do this, but a plug for the book that came out of uh, uh, the Honorable uh, uh, Louis Minister Farrakhan's groups. He has, I think, two books that yes. are very extensive and very. A scholarly right. when it comes to uh, uh, historical facts that back that statement up that you just mm-hmm, meant, mm-hmm. that you just mentioned. You know, so uh, uh, let, me, let me back let me let me back back into something because I was talking about earlier about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, the Honorable uh, Dr. Uh, um, Malcolm X, mm-hmm. and now the Honorable. Um, uh, uh, Doctor uh, uh, Minister Farrakhan, Farrakhan yeah. are proponents of the unification mm-hmm. of the black man uh, in the places where he resides. Now, I have to say this because while we talk about the black man, the black man has many hues. That's true. Yes. Yes. He has many hues. That's right. That's right. And with him having many hues, Mm -hmm. um, I cannot continue to have this narrative without us thinking about that component and that aspect because within that component and aspect, there are also a group of people who are called the um, um, who are Middle Eastern Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Now, within liter- literary writings, within the literary writings, the literary writings always use the narrative Jews, but. That's not that's not a proper that's not a proper connotation for Hebrew Israel. Right. If we're going to talk about Yisrael, the ethnicity of Yisrael is Hebrew. 
That's that's that that that's the eth- that's the ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Father Abraham, who is uh, Shemite, Semite, Shemite, uh, who is the father of Jacob. Jacob is the father of Isaac. Um, uh, Isaac is the father of uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau mm-hmm. are twin brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob has is a person of melanated color. Mm-hmm. Uh, his brother Esau is described in scripture. He came out red mm-hmm. and and hairy and looked like he was full grown already. Uh, and Esau is has is the son that has abdicated his birthright mm-hmm. but there are individuals that are associated with with uh Esau that are spoken about in scripture and I I didn't write it down one of them is uh uh I think it's Yoktan Yoktan is is one of the individuals that is part of, of that narrative. And I only bring it up because you have to realize that Esau was once a Hebrew. He was born a Hebrew. Right. You you, you think you eloquent if I if I can understand you correctly, just because I mean you can have melanation and be of a dark hue, which is saying basically saying the same thing, a, a darker hue, a darker melanation, but not be Hebrew. I mean, not be of the house of Israel. Yes. You can be Hebrew all day long, but you don't necessarily mean because you haven't come out of that lineage of that particular family. Right. That doesn't mean that you're part of the, that you are... In the lineage of Israel. Yeah. So, so the, the point that I'm trying to make here and talking about all this is I remember the gentleman who wrote me the email and said that talking about Jews in the context that we were, that it had been debunked. Now I'm kind of understanding what he's talking about being debunked because all Hebrew individuals are all, are or all so-called Jews. And, and, you know, once again, once again, once again. (laughs) Right. Once again. You have to, you have, you cannot be a nation of people without having a ethnicity that's associated with who you are. Right. And this makes sense. I mean, obviously, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, Ethnic, from an ethnic perspective, I am, I, 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 I have been born in exile mm-hmm. in a nation that is the melting pot of the nations, much like Mitzrayim was. Mm-hmm. So I am a American. My ethnicity is American, mm-hmm. but. While that's my ethnic, my I'm I'm I I've been born here. My DNA, my DNA connects me back to the land. Right. 
That's a very eloquent way to put it. I am yeah. I am 75% Nigerian. Mm -hmm. It connects me back to the land of creation, mm -hmm. which makes me, which, which says that my ancestors and my ethnicity of who I really am came out of the continent of Africa. Mm -hmm. Coming out of the continent of Africa, I am associated with Father Abraham mm. and with our ancestors that we talk about in biblical context. Absolutely. So, there are some very fair-skinned Hebrews. Sure. Would, it, would you be apt to say that there are, not only in the Middle East, where our, let's use the pejorative word, cousins are right now, if you will, but not only there, but what about South America? What about Mexico? Exactly. What about those individuals yes, yes, as well? Yes, yes. See, because now... When we talk about the Hispanics, we have to also bring into the discussion a group of people that are called the Sephardic Hebrews. The Sephardic Hebrews are individuals that are more in the context of South America. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, they are not, they are not injurious. When I say interest, they don't, they don't affect Hebrew Israel in a negative way, mm. as do the Oxenazis, who are the people who want to be us, that come from that sun up there that's called Yefat, that's European. Mm. That's what I want to make. Okay. Hmm. So, I want us to understand that this nation, this nation uh, also is inclusive of the Native Americans. Uh, true. Very true. The Native Americans are a people that have a a um a distinct connection with something that's called mother earth mm. and they are a people who are relatively connected but aren't talked about a lot at all mm. within any um scriptorial narrative mm -hmm. My point is that the Most High said to Father Abraham that your seed shall be as the stars of the sky and the sand, sand of the sea. sea. Sand on the beach, yeah. So the, there's a multiplicity of Hebrew people mm -hmm. that are that are that are a part of this nation whose DNA and whose Solier, solier constitution is connected to the Most High. Yeah. 
What a beautiful analogy, because when you when you pick up a, a handful of sand, it is not a monolithic color. Right. There's granules of other yes. minerals that yeah. are sprinkled in there yeah. from a color standpoint yeah. to yeah. say, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, it's very diverse. So when we study, when we study, and when we talk about scripture, we talk about scripture and the things that we talk about come from a Hebraic thought of interpretation. We, we, don't, we don't get to this understanding of scripture just by repeating a narrative of our generational forefathers. Right. Because our generational forefathers were were prone to coming out of slavery and mimicking masses uh, Sunday morning worship as they sat outside the 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 uh, Episcopalical churches that were white <laughs> right. that they couldn't go into and they listened to Massa and the narratives of uh, what we call preaching and mm -hmm. the idea of this whole thing of snorting and huffing and puffing and herking and jerking uh, all, all, all listen, all of that came out of slavery yeah. Read your history. Do your research. All of that came out of slavery. Mm. Mm. The Caucasian preachers used to stand on corners and preach. Mm. And they would holler across the corners and they'd preach. They'd do that. We picked up that same, that same thing from them. Was creative and made it our own. Yes, yep. yes, and started and, and, to sing with it. Right, right, right. Turn right. that B three on. Yeah, yeah. So the point being is that a majority of the things that are associated with the black church is just an evolution of of white of white. Just like culture, ministerial yeah, yeah, culture. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which we need to shed, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Within the, let's take, for example, the AME, the African uh, American, the Af it, AME, Methodist, Ameri that? African Methodist Episcopal mm -hmm. churches, uh, I don't think that you can pastor one of those churches without having a a seminary degree. In other really? words, in other words, I don't believe, and I'm speaking this, I'm speaking this on my own. You all can send me an email, <laughs> or you can hit, hit hit us up and, and make a will. comment if you want to. But you can't just go off and start. A AME church just because you got angry with the pastor and so mm. you're going to start your own and without having 
and be associated with the organization without having proper credentials. Mm. Oh, boy. Now, that's not the same for the apostolic Pentecostals mm -hmm. or the apostolics such as Kojiks, mm -hmm. um, such as the... Um, um, uh, there's two Baptists. There's the um, First Baptist, which, and then there's 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 the Black Baptists. I'm trying to think what what they are. Because it was always Baptist. Because I was raised Baptist, so uh, it was just it was just called Baptist. Where, where well, I back know, east where we yeah, were. Well, I know if John was here, he he he'd tell us. He'd be able to tell us. Yeah. yeah. But within the Black culture, um, many of our churches have been formulated out of uh, grievances with where they were before and Absolutely. decided to come out and, you know, they may have uh, been raised in a place and the pastor didn't give them uh, too much mic and too much floor time, so they left and took split the church and took a lot of people with them and started their own church. But the issue is, is that when they started, when they start these churches, they simply regurgitate what their fathers have taught them. So, so what they're preaching is nothing do nothing do new. They just may be more charismatic than their fathers, right? Or and, the, and yeah. we're and we as a people are drawn to charismatic. Yeah, you said that narrative. You said if they don't have that slick tongue, if they don't have that to be able to put them words together, and they don't have the, you know, the 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 lyrical prowess. Because that for our people, I mean, we we evaluate you on whether or not how good can you hoop. Yeah. How good can you holler and pick a bale of cotton and roll around on the floor? They will be quick to to put the moniker on you that this is an old dead church. Yes. Because. You are not up there foaming at the mouth right. for these people, yeah. which is a shame because it turns into more of a of a uh, inspirational, uh, for lack of eloquence, uh, just a show. It's entertainment on yeah. the weekend. Yeah, and you know, I I can I can say this, I can say this, and I can talk this way because I've been there. Mm. I've been there, tried to do that. Yeah, and. Yeah. It didn't work for me because the Most High let me know I didn't call you to do that. I called you to be a teacher. Right. And if we're going to teach, then we got to slow the narrative down, and we've got to we've got to break Scripture down in a way that people can understand its application. So when they go away, they they know for sure what's what's being presented. And not just well, he sure did preach today. Well, what did he say? I don't know, but the show was good. Yeah, he he put on a show and took off his tie and ran you know. around and had all this other stuff going on. And that's very quintessential for us because you know, like you said, I mean, it's something that has been instituted from slavery. I'm often reminded since we're on this topic of Black history of a of a very uh, uh, prominent figure in our history, which her name was Armanita Ross. And everybody knows who Amanita Ross is. Amanita Ross is Harriet Tubman. And she had a famous line that she used to say. She said, I freed a lot of slaves, but I could have freed a lot more. 
had they known they were slaves. And that's part of the problem is that we just don't have a desire as a people to want to know. We're institutionalized to the point where we're so afraid of, of getting out of this mindset and exploring the depth and breadth of the Most High that it's, it, it's become th- becoming something frightful for us. What is it going, just like the slave on Massa's farm, what's it going to be like? I, don't, I have safety and security here. At least I know what's going to happen. I don't want to fear for my life. I don't want to be ostracized. I don't want to be hunted down. So I'm just going to stay exactly where I am because it's what? It's comfortable where I'm at. Yeah, and you know, and, and the interesting thing with that thought, Sean, is that the Most High is trying to make it uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. That he is doing. And while he's trying to make it uncomfortable for Hebrew Israel, so Hebrew Israel will turn back for turn back to him, we're kind of like the eagle in the nest with the thorns. We just kind of kind of wiggle around and move the thorns away 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 from us, so we only get picked every now and then. Yep. But we find another comfortable place in the nest, right? Because we're too afraid to fly. Yeah, and we we are in we are in dire need of a of a crier mm-hmm. or of a herald. Uh, for our people to rally around the cause of returning. And unless that, I think I've said this before, unless that person is very highly uh, charismatic and can uh, appeal to the ear of our people, they're not, they're not going to pay attention. Right, right. They're going to have to be a prominent figure that arises. Yeah. And, and, and with that being said, uh, from a historical uh, biblical perspective, that's how Israel treated the prophets. Sure. Absolutely. 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 And in this world that we live in, uh, we continue to do the same thing. Mm. Now, from a Hebraic perspective, when we talk about scripture, when we talk about the mitzvot's when you and I elucidate on and 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 talk about scripture, we've taken into consideration the uh, uh, four aspects of proper interpretation, and proper interpretation is built around the principles of what is called uh, pasat. Pasat. Mez, Drash, and Sod. These are terms that you're probably not ever going to hear in a man. I want to. I have. I, I've been calling it the cemetery for so long that it just comes out, just right out. I, I you know, <laughs> seminaries. Seminaries to me are seminaries are cemeteries. <laughs> which are places where things that are dead are buried. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but the Greek thought, the Greek theology was not designed mm-hmm. for people of melanated color and it needs to be buried. Yeah. 
Yeah. At least do if 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 it needs to do people a service. Yeah. Just like they need to do with uh and this is the herald and the cry to everybody that's in a leadership position that's that calls themselves a, a Sunday going in the morning pastor over a congregation. I think we would have a lot more respect for those individuals if they just presented the information in its proper context. Right. Uh, this is the Hebraic standard of, of what that book you call the Bible says. This is the Christian narrative. Now, you choose between the two, but it's not that way. They do the same thing that they do in the seminary, which is they indoctrinate you over here in the Christian part to invalidate the Hebrew part. Right, so you right. matriculate out with this idea that, okay, you go in knowing already that the intent is to be some type of Christian leader. Right. So from a Hebraic perspective, when we are dissecting scripture, mm -hmm. we use these four principles. Passat, which means to be able to read the text literally uh, or to gain the literal, the literal principle of what the text is saying. Right. And keep the text within its proper context, context and not try to take it out to spiritualize it, to make it fit a, a norm that it's not intended to fit. Right, exactly. Then the, the second aspect of what we do in terms in this Hebraic way to get understanding is the aspect that's called uh, remes. Remes meaning uh, implied or hence, which means that the text has a deeper meaning that may not be immediately apparent. Mm. So when we're reading things, you look at it, and it may not be immediately apparent as to what the text is saying or what it's alluding to, which means that you now have to do something that requires you to do a deeper study and do cross-references within within the Hebraic thought uh, to get an understanding. Absolutely. You can't, you can't, you can't come out of, you can't come out of the deep water of Hebrew thought and interpretation and jump into the shallow water of a, of a spa. Right, right. Even, even maybe if I'm being remedial by saying this, it's even if you go to different parts of our country and our nation, there's certain colloquialisms there are certain cultural things that happen that you will say, okay, that is systemic to that part of the country. That's what they do over there. That's what you Californians do over there. We don't call it something like that. Right, but right, I right, have right, to right. understand that if I'm reading a Hebrew text, I'm reading about a culture of people that functioned a certain way. I can't apply those same types of things at, to 2022 Gregorian calendar year standards on what's happening in the United States. Right. And, and that is part of the problem that we're having here is because we just simply disregard it because it doesn't sound like it translates over very easily. And right. we, 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 we read on. Right. Because we don't understand the actual culture that's happening at right, the time. Right, right, right. So using these four principles, a passat, 
the Ramets. Uh, we have the third one, which is called the Drosh, uh, which means that as we look at scriptorial information, um, it's some things are allegorical, some things are typological, uh, and or the homiletical meaning of the writings are almost like searching the scrolls for the application of the text. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, so, so the issue is when a person tells me that while well, they're studying scripture, I'm trying to figure out by what means are you trying to trying to trying to get to understanding, because you absolutely positively can't understand Hebrew scripture with a Greek mind. You have to use Hebraic thought. You have to use Hebraic tools in order to understand the narrative of what's been written to a Hebraic people because what's been hit written to a Hebraic people only fit the nations or the foreigner if the nations or the foreigner want to join with Israel, with Israel, but you can't drag their theological principles into our narrative right. to try to gain an understanding. Right. No so word. when we talk, when we, when, when you and I are, are, are potting and we're talking scripture, we're talking scripture that is solely applicable to a nation of people to whom it was written to. Right. Right. Absolutely. The fourth narrative of of interpretation of interpretation is called the 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 sod. It's a reference to the hidden meaning of the writing. In other words, uh, the words, the hidden meaning. Uh, you know, we start to read writings with fuller understanding, not dissecting the writings incorrectly, but rightly understanding the words of the Most High. Mm-hmm. Now, you. Man. That's a big one. Listen, 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 listen. You positively, unequivocally, cannot understand the words of Yodhevate, the Most High, Yahweh, by bringing his words side by side with a Greek guy who's called Jesus, who's looked like Borgias with <laughs> long blonde hair and blue eyes. That is the origination of Eurocentric Greeks in Rome. You cannot, you cannot understand that which is Hebraic that is written to a people of melanated skin color mm-hmm. whose, whose forefathers from the beginning of the origin of time mm-hmm. are people of color. Yeah, it won't work. It just won't work. Those people that I'm talking about from which that we study scriptorial context from are individuals who look for signs. Hebrews look for signs. Greeks seek knowledge. Mm. But the knowledge of the world is foolishness to the Most High. That's right. And cannot be compared with Him. That's right. That's right. So we can't we can't meld the two and try to come to some understanding. Which is a reason why I said I think in last week's podcast we're not sitting up here just flapping our jaws, uh, trying to build an audience. 
I'm flapping my jaws because I am deeply concerned about my people. Absolutely. And within the framework of the time frame that we're living in, someone has to be a crier. Mm -hmm. Someone has to point out the error. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry if you don't like the no the sound of truth. Um, I didn't like it when the doctor told me, well, we've looked at the C-scan and that little nodule on your lungs is cancer. I, I didn't like that at all. Right. I, I didn't like it. Right. You know, because I end up telling people um, when I meet them and I have news to tell them. You know what I tell them? I say, hey, listen, do you want to hear the, you know, usually what we say, do you want to hear the good news or the bad news first? Yeah. And I just stopped saying that. I said, you know what, do you want to hear the truth or you want to hear the bad news? I said, well, why do you say the truth? I want to hear the truth. I said, well, well usually um, the truth is not really, oh, I said that backwards. Do you want to hear the good news or the truth? Uh, yeah. That's that's what I meant to yeah, say. Yeah, Which is the truth never, sometimes, I shouldn't say never, but rarely does it come across as being good. It's yeah. always something like, really? Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. I got to acquiesce to that now. So it, it's 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 a it's a thing that you know we deal with all the time and and like you said truth that's one of your mon mantras it truth, truth matters, truth matters. And, and then what that translates translates to is the fact that most of the time people are not going to like what you're going to say no no and you know and and once again you know Hebrews in exile is not for everybody no oh, absolutely yeah no no by no shape or form or fashion and um but it is for as Daniel's, as Daniel writes, it's for my people. And my people are not searching. There are those of you, and I'm very appreciative of those of you who are following the podcast and encouraging uh, your friends to listen to the words that we're sharing because... Um, the words of the Most High, he said, he said that his words would be life to you. Mm. 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 He didn't say, he didn't say, I am the truth, the way, and the life. He said, these words that I'm giving to you, they shall be life to you. Yeah. And so, you know, we're sharing our understanding within the framework of our ability to interpret scripture using proper Hebraic tools to arrive at that point. And which is, I, I got to say this, I got to say this because that was, I love the breakdown that you just did on how systematically and strategically we tried to go through these texts because again, I'm going to get back on this soapbox again, because I was talking off camera to you about, an individual that I just happened to be listening to. And again, our Hebrew brethren and, and sisters, evaluate really what you're listening to. For those of you that are still, that know something's not right, you know, because a lot of times I listen to a lot of these so-called preachers and what they'll end up doing is they'll take a word or a theme and they'll just do a search in the search engine and find out where that word comes up every point 
in text, whether that be in our Hebrew scriptures or whether that be in the new, their, your text, which is called the New Testament, and use that as a platform to say, see, the Bible says this about this particular topic, and it's taken totally out of context. You have to be able to understand and listen intently to what your leaders are telling you and speaking to you about to say, is this in context? Are they rightly dividing the word of pure truth? Because this doesn't sound like this is being reconciled. And all that is doing is it's the most high just working on you to say that there's something that there's that's there. There's something that's deeper there that I need to understand. And you shouldn't be afraid because I was thinking about this earlier today because we have people that are sitting in congregations in churches on Sunday that are reading this text and having the Ruach HaKodesh work on them, having the Most High Yahweh work on them, presenting the information to their, their pastors and their teachers. And what happens? They get punished for it. Yeah. I don't want to bring this information because I know that my spiritual leader, if it bucks the system, I'm going to get sat down. I'm on a usher board. I'm not going to be able to serve in my post if I'm on the on the if I'm a deacon or if I'm whatever I am. I'm afraid to bring the information forward because it's I don't want to challenge leadership to the point where I have to get a reasonable explanation. Right. For the things that are written in text. Right. And that is a problem with a lot of our yeah. leaders yeah. is that they tend to punish for for and, curiosity. And you're not going to get an answer. And you won't. You're not going to get an answer. So that was beautiful how you broke that down because it's 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 for us, we've never had the position where People bring us information. Usually it's actually the reverse of what happens. They usually bring us information. We research it, say, yep, you're right. And then they serve their purpose in the most. I gets rid of them. There's a lot to be said <laughs> about the Hebraic way of thinking mm. and the Hebraic way of life. During this time that is called Black History Month, I just wanted to present our people with a narrative that it's very important that we understand our document and realize that our document is a is a treasure chest of good things that are germane to us and you don't have to be a woe is me people. Not at all. You don't, mm -hmm. you don't have to, you do not have to be beggars and pleaders of things that are necessary for you to survive in this exile. The Most High said in his word, if your ways please me, in the Psalms, don't know what particular text it is, I will give you the desires of your heart. Mm. The way, if your ways, that's very important language. He's not talking about your deportment, so to speak, within the context of your goodness. 
your deportment and the conduct of your goodness can only be defined by the application of Torah to your life. Mm. So now he says, what he's saying, if your ways please me, if your Torah life is pleasing to me. There you go. Mm -hmm. If your Torah way of life, because he says to us that these words I'm giving to you, they are a way of life for you. Mm -hmm. If they're pleasing to me, then I'll give you the desires of your heart. I realize that many, that, well, I shouldn't say many, but a handful of our people are more well off than others. But the issue is, is whether you have much, whether you have little, or whether you're in between, knowing the truth about your Elohim, knowing the truth about the, the end result of your soul can, can speak volumes to the happiness and joy that you can have wherever it is that you live in spite of your everyday situation or circumstances. If I know that I'm at peace with the Most High, whether I have little or much, it's the same peace. And I have the knowing knowledge that King David writes these words in the Tanakh. I once was young, but now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging. begging bread. How do we define righteousness? We've defined righteousness within the paradigm that is associated with the teachings of the Most High, which are his Torah, mm -hmm. his mitzvot, his laws, his rulings, and his precepts, which King David speaks about so gloriously within his narrative in Psalms 119. Mm. These mitzvot, these laws, these precepts that I keep talking about are part of the whole constitution and makeup of a book that's called Mishle, which is the book of Proverbs. You cannot read the book of Proverbs in any chapter and not hit some narrative that's speaking about the application of Torah principles. This is Black History Month. I'm concerned about my people. The things that we've talked about in this podcast are germane to you. They are your lifeline. They are the center of who you are as a people. You are the most intelligent people on the face of this earth. You were created in the image and likeness of the Most High. He has imparted into you the ability that is associated with himself, the aspect 
of creativeness. So now when we start hearing the narrative about all the things that black people have created that are germane to civilization, we've only taken, we've only taken from all the things that the most highest created and put in this earth. We've taken that substantive matter and with the uniqueness of who he is within us, we've turned around and he's used us to continue to create. That makes us a great and awesome people. Hallelujah. And it's not about shut up and dribble. It's not about throwing a football. It's about the mind. It's about the soul. It's about the personage of who we are. We are the greatest people on the face of the earth. How is that so? He made us first and every other nation of people historically, scientifically, and whatever kind of else you want to add to it, come out of who we are. So there you have it. I say to you, rejoice, exceedingly be glad that even though you may not understand and you may not know how or what we're always talking about, we're talking about the greatest nation on the face of the earth that's going to be redeemed out of this exile, brought back into the land that the Most High has given to us. We're going to build that third temple. It's going to be glorious. And we're going to live in a land with the Most High until he so decides to once again make a move and break it down to the one-third that's written about in the book of Zechariah that will live for him, with him forever. Well, this has been Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this has been Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile. Exile. Shalom. Shalom.